Welcome to Learned Like, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm George. And I'm Amanda. George and I are both in Zephyr A. This is season 31 for George and season 27 for me. This is day two of season 99. And this one's going to be a lesson in how not to answer questions. The first question asks us for a handheld device from the 1980s on which was printed the name Gerald. Right, with kind of an unusual spelling, J-E-R-R-O-L-D. And this, at most, rang the faintest of bells for me. I've cycled through a lot of different handheld devices. Um, Everything from curling irons, electric razors, metal detectors, uh, you know, remote control, uh, garden weasel, walkie-talkie. Like, I, you know, there... There were so many things that could be pretty decent possibilities, especially since we're kind of, you know, the question is kind of confining us to the 1980s. And it also notes that this was in millions of American homes. So this is something that's pretty ubiquitous, something that, you know, everyone probably is familiar with. Like if you say whatever device this is, everybody would be like, oh yeah, sure. We had one of those, or we knew someone who had one of those. I've seen one, etc. Um... And so, with all that said, nothing in the clue really gives you much other else to grab onto, so to speak. Um, I had to rule out, or at least I tried to rule out a lot of stuff that was, you know, that was, that handheld was not the right term for. Like, a leaf blower, I mean, technically is something you hold in your hands, but it's not really handheld in the sense of compact enough to fit in your hand it, by like in one hand, let's say is that's how I would think of a handheld kind of device. Um, I ended up going with walkie talkies because I felt like that was something that just tons of kids had. And I thought maybe this company had sort of like the first, you know, patent on one or it, you know, that could be a toy or um, it was something that, everyone would be pretty familiar with um, as an object that was in an American home, um, which is another piece, like something that was a piece of garden equipment, I wouldn't characterize as being in the American home. Um, So this was a a question full of very faint, you know, directional signs pointing you towards some specific vague type of object. which I finally gave up and interpreted to be a walkie-talkie. I pretty much settled on either telephone or remote control Mm. real early. Okay. Um, Kind of for some of your same reasons um, and just sort of handheld devices were, I feel like, less of a thing in the 80s. Like, they're Mm -hmm. for, for... Kind of that reason of things weren't small enough to yeah. be described as handheld for the most part. Um, and, and not as, or at least not as devices. Like, you wouldn't call a cocktail shaker a device. Right. That sort of thing. Um, so I, try, in trying to figure out whether it was one or t'other, I figured, well, it can't be a remote control because a remote control is associated with another appliance for the most part. Mm. And... The kind of, you know, buy it separately universal remote control, I didn't feel like was a thing in the 80s. Right. Because 
the point of universal remote controls is to control a bunch of different things. Mm. And there were really only like two or three things that you would control in the 80s. True. You have your TV, you'd have your stereo, you'd have your VCR. And you know, the vast majority of TVs or the vast majority of those things weren't remote controlled. So you wouldn't need to consolidate them all. Mm. Uh, and since I could not think of a stereo or television or VCR that was Gerald brand, uh-huh. uh, and even if there were, this would be a very weird way to describe it. Yes. Uh, or to get to it. Um, so I said, well, it can't be a remote control. It must be a telephone. I figure maybe it's the, you know, one of the initial cordless phones. Ah. Or maybe that was the brand name that a lot of. Uh, Ma Bell subsidiaries would rent to people, oh, okay. which is apparently still a thing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, there's thousands of people in the U.S. <laughs> who are still renting their landline telephone, the actual handsets, <laughs> from their phone company. Wild. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I said telephone. It was remote control. Okay. And so... yes, in fact, it was one of the first universal remote controls. Essentially, yeah. yeah even in those those early days people still decided like oh i can't possibly handle two remote controls <laughs> for my my betamax vcr and my you know 14 inch rca television i i must have i must consolidate them into one thing so when i looked it up online i got the impression it was uh um like in particular if you had cable tv mm-hmm. you needed something other than whatever was controlling the TV monitor part to change the channel on the cable, right? you know, signal or whatever. Um, and, you know, this is the question about which I have the most, um, well, it's the question I dislike the most of this day for a variety of reasons. Um, one is that the company Gerald, which by the way, the only thing I can find about this that is even faintly interesting <laughs> is that this company was owned by a uh, a person who would go on to be governor of Pennsylvania. Wow. Right? That is interesting. That is the most interesting thing about this. And it does not appear in the question. It was the guy's <laughs> middle name, for that matter, is Gerald, okay. uh, with this uh, unusual spelling. And so the pictures of these remotes, because I... I presume I saw one as a kid in somebody's household. I don't think we had one in our household, um, being that we, I think, got cable a little bit later, as I recall. Um, I think we had it in Grand Rapids when I was a little kid for a short time, but then we moved to um, the Kalamazoo area and cable had not quite filtered out to as many neighborhoods there. Um, And so we got it a little bit later and maybe that was a little past the time of uh, using one of these devices in particular to control it. Um, from what I've seen of the early versions of it, it's not particularly handheld in the same way that your phone is, or walkie-talkie is, or, I don't know, a Walkman cassette player is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another thing that occurred to me as well, is this an early tape recorder, dictaphone, you know, oh, yeah. who, who knows. Um, and so... You know, calling this handheld 
when it's like the size of a small computer keyboard today. Mm-hmm. Kind of strains my definition of handheld. Yeah. You could hold it in two hands, I guess. Um, the second thing is, this is characterized through, throughout the 1980s, and Gerald went on to make universal remotes through the late 1990s. Hmm. So this kind of, uh, not that I knew that, that would be something that I could see misleading someone else who said, well, we had a Gerald remote in 1996, you know, so, so it can't be that, I guess. Um, or I don't know. It, it just struck me as sort of, um, like I said, all the clues were so vague because this, if you sharpened any of them, it would point you directly at the answer and then it wouldn't be a trivia question at all. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't love that sort of, you know, mealy, um, tone of the question, but also just who cares? Like, without telling me, you could have put in the, the cute fact about owned by a person who went on to be governor of Pennsylvania. That would have been amazing. And, and just a weird, you know, little connection that makes this a little bit more than... Hey, what was the Gerald brand, you know, what was the brand of your remote control in the 80s? Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this can't possibly be really worth knowing or talking about. And yet I've done so for nearly nine minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't love this question. <laughs> I'll leave it there. Fair. Oh, question two. Uh, it's still my turn to talk. Yeah. <laughs> question two. Um, uh, describes for us a portrait of a militia company headed by two men with very Dutch-sounding names and asks for the name of the painting. I did not know this. I tried to visualize it. Couldn't really come up with anything. Um, So in desperation, I figured, well, maybe it was repurposed for something else. Like maybe maybe these, these men were posed as models Ah. rather than as themselves and so i figured well uh so a group portrait of men from 1600s nothing really floated to mind but then i thought was the the last supper was like way before that like da vinci was pre 17th century but for just an absolute lack of anything else Mm. i figured okay we'll go with the last supper yeah, this one for me, I had sort of the opposite problem, which is when I think of a group portrait with, you know, featuring gentlemen with very Dutch sounding names, uh, I immediately think of the Burgers of Calais. Mm. Yeah, you know, I know Calais okay. is in France, but like it's up there kind of near the low country, you know, kind of areas of Belgium and the Netherlands and so on. Um, and so once I landed on that, I was just confident as heck that that was probably it. And if it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, particularly having to fight off a bunch of different possible answers um, to come up with this one. So uh, I went with the Burgers of Calais and was quite satisfied with myself. It was the Night Watch. Well, of course it was. Which I looked up and I, I've probably seen some version of this before. I definitely have. Uh, but it never really settled itself into my consciousness. Yeah, so, and right. if I, I I think I've seen both of these pictures that I've 
you know, the one that I misremembered and the actual answer. Um, and I think they may be fairly similar looking in point of fact, um, which is a bunch of official looking dudes gathered together at night. Mm -hmm. Um, so, oh, well, swing and a miss on that. Yeah. Question three asks us for a term reportedly coined by Gertrude Stein to describe people who came of age between World War I and the Great Depression. So this one, um, and it notes that it's, uh, you know, associated with Ernest Hemingway's early works and so on. Um, this one is one of those weird, like, I guess technically it's metaphorical, but it's almost, for something coming from Gertrude Stein, not off the wall enough <laughs> to really feel like it's her coinage. Um, be that as it may, there weren't a lot of choices that offered themselves. Because, you know, thinking of this period of time, like this is kind of like the Jazz Age. It's a little bit past the Gilded Age. Um, it's, you know... It made me think of things like, it's the name of a generation, so things like the Beat Generation come to mind. The Silent Generation, that's the one that my parents came from. Um, and so it took me a while to sort through, and I thought, is there a thing that's like the Lost Generation? I feel like that was kind of applied to people around this time period. Because, um, you know, you're coming from the World War One, which was a deeply traumatic and alienating and awful experience, you know, obviously for uh, everyone involved around the world. Um, and then you have sort of the, you know, the, the Jazz Age follow-up to that where happy days are here again, we're all going to party because, you know, otherwise we'll think about the gaping void behind our eyes. Um, and so... Uh, you know, it took a while for me to kind of settle on, like, the lost generation is a thing. It plausibly applies to this time period. Um, could it have been coined by Gertrude Stein? Like, could it have applied to Ernest Hemingway's, you know, work in some way? It kind of gels together for me. I, I kept wanting to connect it to, um, you know, a particular Hemingway title. So, like, the old oh, man in the generation, um, <laughs> a movable generation. No, none of these things is going to work. For whom the generation tolls. <laughs> there you go. The, the generation and the fury. Um, yeah, so that was kind of fruitless. And after a while, I just kind of, for lack of anything else, I thought, the lost generation? I think it's a thing. I, I can't, you know, find a reason to think it's not from this time period. So... Let's go with that. Lost Generation. Uh, I did the math essentially wrong. Oh, geez. And landed on the Silent Generation. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, of course, was the, were the people born kind of just after uh, the generation that this question was describing. Right. Uh, if not their children. Yeah, um, I guess it would be. Uh, but, yeah, I just... I. I hit that and said, yeah, that sounds right. Those were, that would have been those people. Mm. Okay, sure. Okay. But, uh, but nah. It was Not the so lost much. generation. Yep. Uh, I was almost as startled to 
uh, get that right as I was to get the prior question wrong. <laughs> uh, question four asks us, uh, essentially, uh, the phrase in Mongolian, or partially Mongolian, that means ocean of wisdom uh, is what? So I keyed in too much on the Mongolian part of this and figured yeah. it meant one of the Khans, Genghis or Sobotai or Tamerlane or the like, and just couldn't really figure out which of them it might be and uh, eventually went just went for Genghis Khan because he was the, the biggest of those. And if it hadn't been, you know, if it wasn't him, then there would be some reference to him in the question. If not directly, then, you know, uh, a, a note that this, you know, this, this ocean of wisdom was perhaps not as, you know, much of an ocean of wisdom as some other, you know, his father or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but without that reference, I just uh, parsed back to, you know, who is the most famous Mongolian of all time? <laughs> well, it must be Genghis Khan. That is what I had in the answer box for most of the day, because um, I had the same kind of line of logic. And, you know, the first and third questions were bothering me so much, like settling on the Gerald question um, and trying to make you know, come to terms with the lost generation question, um, that I had that same line of thinking and had, uh, Genghis Khan in the answer box until after lunch, I went to actually fill in the answers. And I just kind of took a second look and went, do I really think Genghis Khan's name translates to ocean of wisdom? I feel like that doesn't work. And what, you know, who would have, who would be a person with a title like that, that would fit the bill here? And I thought, oh, the Dalai Lama is probably pretty associated with wisdom. Uh, the Dalai Lama's come from Tibet, which is a disputed area, you know, which should be in, you know, the right language family type of uh, thing. And so... I thought, yeah, that kind of kind of works. Like that bit of language could have crossed over there and and made its way to that area. And so I just thought, yeah, that's that's a better fit with Ocean of Wisdom. So I think let's go ahead and try Dalai Lama. Yeah, that, and that was correct. Well done. <laughs> um, I'm just. Uh... I, I don't know how Mongolian managed to get there because those two things are on opposite sides of China. Yeah. Like that is, that is like saying, you know, seeing a Vancouver, uh, a Vancouver reference to Tijuana. <laughs> like there's an entire gigantic country between those two places. So I just did not, that, that was a, it, it, Clearly, it could be logicked into, but I was just not going to make it there. Someone, some questions are like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess the Mo the Mongolians got around, of course. You know, True. Like, the, what's the stat about what percentage of the world is, like, Genghis Khan's yeah. <laughs> descendant? A large, large number. Millions and millions of people Shockingly currently large. living. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's what kind of, kind of 
push me a little more in that mm -hmm. direction. Reasonable. Question five asks us for the president's dog that keeps biting people and gives <laughs> us some more hints on that. Yes, it explains which of the president's dogs that keeps biting people. Because <laughs> um, I think they've had that issue with more than one of these German shepherds. Um, but this, the question explains uh, that this name might suggest he's a member of a local sports team. And it's a dog who was banished from the re White House recently. Uh, I, I believe there was at least one other one who either has been in retraining or um, maybe also has been banished. Um, but I knew there was one named Major, I'm pretty sure. And that, of course, is not anything to do with the local sports team. Um, but that gave me the clue of like, okay, so there's another, I knew that another of the dogs had a similar, like, military-ish sounding name. Um, and oh yeah, the Washington Commanders is the new name of the Washington football uh, <laughs> breathing apparatus, I guess. Um, just because they had a very generic name. Uh, but, and they still do, actually. Um, so that really um, kind of clinched it for me, is just I, I knew it was something like that, and Commander sounded like, like once I put those two together, I was pretty sure that that was the, the, uh, dog in question so to speak uh yeah same i just immediately as soon as i saw a local sports team right i was like i was kind of thinking like oh which dog was that was a bunch <laughs> of different ranger or something like that and like, oh commander yeah he's mm -hmm. that's commander so yep. that one was that one landed for me pretty well yes and that was the correct answer in fact major has bitten a couple of people as well yeah so get a smaller happier dog question six uh last but not least asks us uh what sprang from the body of medusa after she was killed by perseus this was the winged horse pegasus hmm? uh, i was the kind of kid who read a lot of mythology especially greek and roman nerd so yeah I knew this. I could have given you any of the proper nouns in this question ah. if you'd written a question around any of the other ones. So, yep. Yeah. The, uh, it, it is, uh, uh, Pegasus has since expanded to sort of be any flying horse. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, whenever the conversation uh, turns to what is the plural of Pegasus, if you're, mm. you know, these are the kind of weird conversations that we have sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I always point out Pegasus was a proper name. Ah, true. So there is no plural of Pegasus, uh, just as there is no plural of a person's name. There are not multiple Franklin Roosevelt's. Oh. There is simply a Franklin Roosevelt. So there, there is saying. no plural of Pegasus. Right. There is a plural of, much like trade, a trademark names, there can be many winged horses. Yes. But there is a Pegasus. That, that's fair. Um, I admit that, I, as you said that, I was preparing an argument like, well, you can talk about there being multiple Georges in the world. Right. Um, but it's true that the horse's name was not Pegasus Jones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to worry about how to say Pegasus. This is, um, but uh, yeah, this one uh, came to mind for me pretty quickly 
Um, I think, honestly, it was because of Clash of the Titans, um, which was the mm -hmm. early 80s film with Harry Hamlin and all the uh, stop-motion animation uh, cool stuff in it. Yep. My dad took me to see it in the theater. Um, it was probably a little scarier and also more gory than perhaps he might have guessed because mm -hmm. i was not a kid who loved either of those things but i loved the movie actually yep. although i do i did find it scary at those appropriate times um but i'm not sure if i um well the fact that it's perseus and the fact that pegasus is in that movie is probably what really um you know is the source of this knowledge for me um and I, uh, you know, it's solidified by things like just being into horse, horsey type stuff in general. Um, and, uh, I forget how I, I know there was the thing about Bellerophon later in the mythology. Um, I forget how or where I learned about that, probably from you. Um, and, uh, I think, uh, Pegasus is also incorporated into my favorite of the Wrinkle in Time series of books, which was A Swiftly Tilting Planet. Mm -hmm. um, and Charles Wallace gets to ride a flying horse. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's actually Pegasus. I think it's named something else. I believe that to be true. Um, and so I got to reread those some of the time because I really like that one in particular. Anyway, because of the horsey stuff, you know. Yep. Uh, anyway, I, I was pretty darn sure this was Pegasus, because what else is, what else are you going to call a winged horse in Greek mythology? <laughs> um, you know, it, of course, that isn't specified in the question. That's the whole point, is that you know that Perseus was the one who was the initial rider of Pegasus. And so that's what I put down. And that was correct. Indeed. Which means I got a whopping two on the day. Oof. <laughs> Not super fun. Yeah. I don't really love my four on the day. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that Gerald question might play a little difficult. Um, and of course, I assigned threes to the art question uh, correctly as it turns out, although I thought I had it in hand. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm glad for a couple of the pools in there. So I hope it holds up. Yep. I know that mine won't. I shan't bother hoping. I have oh, given boy. up on, uh, given up on my non-loss streak. So, Oy, that's oh, well. too bad. Yep. So that's it for today. Thank God. <laughs> Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. Follow us on Blue Sky at Learned Lag with all the vowels, and remember: don't forfeit. Don't cheat.